0: Hello Dave! Hello Ollie! How the devil are you? I'm very good, thank you. Welcome to Sustainababble 27! 27. 27!
1: 27. Well, I never. What have we got coming up this week in your friendly little environment podcast,
0: Oll? Well Dave, we have got a theme, and that theme, we'll see if you can work it out. We're going to be talking about whether Alaska is baked, mm. whether the UK is cooling on its kind of carbon munching Uh, we're going to have a big old talk about China a a takeaway from China a Chinese takeaway and um, and we're going to see if the nasty oil company has been cooking up some Uh lies Cooking.
1: Yeah, all right. Listener, I'm sorry about this. What I'm going to do is, at the end of this podcast, I'll take him outside and give him a good kicking in the head. For now, you're just going to have to put up with it. I'm sorry. Um, We are your friendly little environment podcast about why everything going on in the world of the planet, if that makes any sense, is confusing, um, and why doesn't anyone talk any sense. We work for environmental charities, but this is very much our own bag. So if you've got any problems with anything we say, and if you're appalled by the puns, Take it up with me and all And not with anyone else
0: Very nice Let's get cooking Let's walk So, Sustainable Babble of the Week. This is the section every week where we have a little gaze onto the environment horizon and spot the rotters, spot the people who have talked utter nonsense in the name of going green. And this week, we think we might have got the babble to beat them all. Hey, Dave.
1: Yeah, we do. Hey, oh. Uh, my mum's gone to an American state. Do you
0: know which one? No, which one? Alaska. Go on then. No, it's... uh. So
1: this is about uh, the state of Alaska, which is up at the top left of America, sticks out a bit, where it's quite cold and no one lives, and where there is a lot of oil under the emptiness and people have been trying to get hold of it. A thing called the Arctic National Wilderness Refuge, which is a protected bit of Alaska, has got loads of oil under it and there's been a lot of hoo-ha in America about whether or not you should be allowed to drill in the protected lands of the Arctic National Wilderness Refuge to get the oil out, right? Now, there's uh, some climate change happening, as you know. It's not just one of these futuristic things that happens one day in the future. It's actually happening now. And there are remote communities that are right on the coast in Alaska that are buggered, basically, already. They are having uh, coastal erosion and risk losing their uh, their way of life and having to leave. And so there's a debate going on in Alaska, which is basically, well, we need to do something about that and how do we pay for it
0: ale yeah, well, I mean moving people, moving entire villages and families and communities is is probably one of the most expensive things, let alone disruptive things that you can do, right? So mm. if you're the politician in charge of this place, uh, the, the governor of Alaska, a chap called Bill Walker, you are presented with a problem, and that problem is how do we move everybody? um without spending all of my money I've kept in my sweetie jar and he thinks well we've got to earn some money and how do we earn some money well that is through drilling for oil and selling it so he has made this rather extraordinary statement um well let's 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 hear what he said
1: we've got about 12 villages in that same situation so you're you're saying that the the climate change impacts in Alaska you need to be allowed to continue to drill and explore and produce oil to pay for some of those impacts in Alaska absolutely in a, in a responsible way as we have in the past. I'm a big believer in the Norway model of how to do business. I think there's a, there's a, so, there's a lot of... Like two stuff. things to say about this, I guess. Um, well, three things. Firstly, we don't need Arabella this week because we can actually get the babble from the horse's mouth. Thanks, Arabella. See you next week. Have a glass of brandy or something. <laughs> Secondly... Um, <laughs> This is quite an extraordinary thing he's saying, isn't it? He's saying climate change is happening and remote villages are falling into the sea and we need to rescue them, which is right. And in order to do that, we need to drill more oil out of the Arctic wilderness and sell it um, in order to pay for fixing climate change, which strikes me on the surface a bit like saying um, I need to get some dental work done because my teeth are falling to bits. So I'm going to enter a how much cake can you eat competition.
0: I was looking at this, and I listened to the clip, and I read his quotes, and I thought, "You poor bugger." Yeah, like, I know. yeah. What are you supposed to do? Because they get there's something weird going on with their tax. You know, in America, you get um, different tax setups in different states, right? And in Alaska, they basically don't get any income tax and um, any VAT, I think, or something like that. Um, and uh, no money back, no guarantee. <laughs> exactly, Dave. Yeah, exactly. Why haven't we used that before? Twenty-seven episodes has <laughs> taken us to get a of reference no in there. And so they just totally rely on money from oil. And if you've got, if you're, you know, you're responsible for these people who are literally watching the sea come in and claim their beaches and claim their homes. And this happened very recently. You've just got to sort of find any solution, haven't you? I I, I just find it hard to be a bit of a, you know, an easily kind of snarling, sneering environmentalist about this Um, because I think it's a bit more of a human story. What else is he supposed to do? So, uh, yeah, there's a a problem, isn't there? So uh, this is
1: not a very good idea, right? There's no getting around the fact that this is not a very good idea, right? Uh, Any more than it's a good idea to cause climate change, which melts the Arctic, so you can then go in there and drill more oil and sell it to melt the Arctic some more, right? We need to stop... Drilling oil, we need to stop burning fossil fuels. Not a good idea, but we also need to pay a mahusive amount of money to help the people who are being affected by climate change. And if your government isn't giving you any cash, and if you've got representatives of these villages and communities coming to you and saying, Governor, you've got to help me, and you can't get money from somewhere else... What you're supposed to do now? I confess a little bit of ignorance to precisely whether or not he does actually have to. uh, It's oil money or nothing. I don't know, you know, precisely whether there's any money he could get. There's always a risk.
0: Always a risk that he's setting up that that kind of very binary choice for precisely this reason yeah he absolutely. is a politician yeah. after all
1: yeah and I'm sure uh, American uh, Babbbleese can write in and tell us about that, but just on the face of it, you know we need to pay for stuff and money's got to come from somewhere, and this is going to be at the international climate talks in Paris going on later on this year. this is going to be a major theme it's not you know, not just we need to do something about climate change but someone's got to pay for it, mm. and we need to get the money from somewhere and if countries like America can 't find the money to pay for it, what hope have countries like India or Bangladesh, all that sort of thing got. And just to wrap this section up, something that has uh, happened just in the last couple of days is that the US government has said no more oil exploration in the Arctic for a bit. So they're not going to sell any more drilling leases. They're not going to give leases that Shell and Statoil already had. They're not going to give them any more time. Um, And this doesn't actually apply to your Alaskan wilderness, because that's like on land Uh, so it doesn't really do much about the whole bill walker situation but it does mean it's something we've tracked on and off throughout the course of recent babbles over the last few months it means that the idea for now of at least the american bit of the arctic being drilled uh, is on hold and that's quite exciting isn't it
0: yeah, it's well exciting. It's one of those things which, you know, a year ago, two years ago, I sort of thought was depressingly inevitable. There was nothing that could be done about it. This, this climate-wrecking, completely bonkers plan was just going to happen and I was going to have to deal with it. And now it isn't. And that's, you know, in this gloomy outlook, that is a little beacon of cheer. Well done, Barry O'Bie. Reasons to be cheerful. So talking of cheer, we thought we'd move straight on to the section known as Reasons to be Cheerful because there's been a bit more good news this week and that is about little old Blighty being slightly less carbon crunchy yummy lit pollute than we thought. And they have in fact, according to a report in the Telegraph, that bastion of fact and reason, uh they have <laughs> they have reduced they we, the UK, Has reduced um, its carbon intensity, which is the amount of carbon per unit of gross domestic product. Hang on, hang on. on. I'm going to play the sexy
1: carbon intensity music.
0: I thought you might. I've heard people say... Oh, yes. Mm. Carry on. on. Hang on, hang on. Wait
1: a minute. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. That's it. That's it. So, yes, for every uh, unit of growth, whatever that really means, we're polluting less. We're putting less carbon in the atmosphere. Good news. Well done, the UK. Or is it? Uh, no, not really. Uh,
1: because basically, what's. Well, okay, no, I mean, it's good news in one sense, isn't it? It's a good thing. We are using less energy, or we did last year. But. Um, They reckon it's probably just because of one of two things happening. Firstly, we had a couple of coal-fired power stations, and they had a fault and went on fire and had to close. Um, And secondly, because of climate change and everything's warming up, the winter was warmer, so we didn't use so much energy. So
0: uh, that's a bit of an odd reason to be cheerful, isn't it? Hmm. Although, you know, warm winters mean fewer grannies dying, I guess. Uh, It's not all bad. But um, yeah, yeah, it's not like we have suddenly become, as a nation, the biggest hippies in the tent. Uh, We're just, um, we're doing some good stuff. We shouldn't be too down. We are doing some good stuff, despite everything that the government is currently trying to do. But it's mainly factors beyond our control. So yeah, yeah, well done. We screwed that reason to be cheerful. Uh, It's more like a reason to go sort of, hmm. no, no, hang on, wait a minute, I'm going to rescue it, right? Because there's a
1: bigger picture going on. And in this report, which we were talking about, which was done by Price Waterhouse Coopers, who are people in suits, in this report, they said, hang on, there's something even bigger going on here, and that is China, right? So China is uh, the world's largest economy. It's where a quarter of the world's population lives. Um, And it's the world's biggest emitter. And it's generally been seen as Mr. Naughty Bad Guy on the climate. It's building one new coal power plant a week. And actually, though, this report says in 2014, it cut its carbon intensity faster than any country outside the EU. Basically, it is getting off coal in the scheme of things relative to its economy. And it's kind of sorting stuff out. Outside the EU, that is a fairly hefty caveat, isn't it? Yeah, all right. Well, it is a fairly hefty caveat, although um, it's worth seeing it in the context of a whole load of... uh things that were being made in the EU no longer being made in the EU, and industry kind of shipping off wholesale to countries like China. Um, So it's worth seeing it in that kind of context, Mm. I guess. Mm. Um, And this is all relevant, talking about China, because this week, Mr Xi Jinping, who is boss of China, is coming (laughs) over to uh, be filleted by David Cameron and George Osborne so that we can get lots of money out of him. Do you want to say that again? No, I said it just right the first time, thank you very much.
0: Yes, That sexy GDP In carbon intensity music has gone to your head Hasn't it <whistles>
1: um, Yes uh, there's a state visit Going on uh, where the president of China Mr Xi is coming over Um, And we're going to wine and dine him and essentially persuade him to invest in our roads and our railways and our nuclear power stations uh, and all of that kind of stuff because we can't afford to build it ourselves, apparently, and we want to get all of that lovely Chinese lucre and use it to build stuff,
0: right? Mm, Yeah, Uh, well, and this is, I guess this is the kind of, the future that George Osborne in particular wants to map out for the UK. And there's a very good article on uh, The Economist, which is not a magazine that I always enjoy reading, but it was sort of setting out how, particularly our Chancellor, above all of the other kind of finance people in the world, is just going, China is where it's at, let's cozy up to China, let's get their money, let's get their investment. And it is when you start thinking about the scale Of what China's doing and how insignificant this little collection of rocks in the Atlantic is Mm. um, sort of at least geographically Uh, it's kind of mind-blowing to think how much we're going to have to depend on China um, and other sort of probably India at some point as well but China in the short term. Ooh, big scary yeah so let's put this in
1: context a bit right so china is massive right and china has so here's some statistics in a stat wang you right are you ready wow oh yeah hit me up yeah right okay Uh, so china is responsible for one quarter of the world's carbon emissions 31% Ooh. 31% of all the wind turbines are in China wow. it has got four times the population of the USA but eats only two times the meat but that means it eats about a quarter of the world's meat in total Ooh, in losing China. you, I'm losing you keep <laughs> going Uh, Okay, Uh, I'll stop stat-wanging now. Basically, China is massive, right? Absolutely massive. It is the world's biggest economy. It is the world's biggest emitter. And um, what it does about climate change, and what it and a couple of other countries in practice, USA and India, probably do about climate change, they are the things that affect, and indeed not just climate change, but the economy. What they do in general are the things that are going to affect the state of the planet and the economy and the ugly fish over the next century really Um,
0: so you are of the view then to paraphrase that what does it matter what we do in this country when China's building a new coal fired power station every week
1: Well, I mean, I wouldn't
0: put it quite as black and white as that. We are still the sixth or seventh
1: biggest economy in the world in the UK, and people do listen to us, and we've got the Commonwealth, and we do have a massive great army and all of that sort of stuff. It does matter what we do. Um, But most of the reason why it matters what we do is in terms of the signal it sends to the rest of the world and to show that you can still be a rich country and go green. So it's important in that context. Please don't get me wrong, right? But in terms of actual emissions reduction Then obviously, surely, by definition, it matters what happens in China considerably more than what happens here. Yes?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. But. It also matters, every single bit of carbon that doesn't go into the atmosphere gives us a better chance of avoiding the worst kind of versions of climate change that's down the pipe for us, that's in the post. So even if you are a small country, choosing to not do something polluting is an important act, regardless of whether somebody like China can have much greater impact by choosing to not do that thing that's polluting, right? Yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah, I suppose you're, I suppose
1: you're right. Yes, Anything okay. and
0: everything, isn't it, at the moment? You know, yeah, it's all, we've all got to right. pull together. All and that's the point time. about the whole sort of Paris stuff coming up at the end of this month, is that to some extent, and we have touched on this before, to some extent, none of this is fixable without proper global collaboration. Everyone's got to be in it. Everyone's got to be in it. I mean, it's the future of planet. It shouldn't be a difficult thing to persuade people to sign up to. But um, people going it alone is not going to sort this out. So
1: Mr. Xi came to power um, a couple of years ago now, and the first thing he did was he looked around at the fact that China's environment is ruined, basically, and you had this horrible black smoke all over the cities and this smog off the coal-fired power stations and the car engines and all of that sort of thing, and all the water is running dry and the Yellow River is run out and the panda is running riot and crushing cities and all of this sort of (laughs) stuff is going on, Godzilla panda stuff going on. I think something like that happened, um, and he That's said, "No, definitely we got the-
0: fact. That's definitely fact. Yeah,
1: yeah." And this is the thing because they have basically gone in a couple of years. They've gone right. We're going to do a metric shitload of renewable energy, and we're going to start getting off all of these coal power plants, and we're going to clean up the air. And so they've got these phenomenal targets that you know are, are boring, but about like massive amounts of solar energy and wind energy that they want to build in a few years we're not talking like you know in the uk when we talk vaguely about maybe by 2030 we might have some wind energy right they're basically going by 2017 a couple of years after they announced it they're gonna have 160 gigawatts of wind which is a lot of wind right and that's the sort of thing that it looks like you can only really do when you've got some sort of totalitarian government when you can do what China has gone and gone, right, we're going to do this now. All of you lot bastards, shut up and listen. We're going to do this. Put that down. Stop burning that coal or you will get punished. Right. That's what they say. They say you'll get punished. Where, where's that thing? Where's Mr. Where's Mr. Xi? What did he say? He said Xi Jinping. President of the largest economy, most important bit of the world, said on issues of ecological and environmental protection, people should not cross the line, or they will get punished. Wow! Oh, yeah, he's, he's so tough. It's so Ooh. brilliant, isn't it? And he means it as well. Like over I here, bet he does. Uh, I bet he does. Yeah, that's not just a Chinese burn. They're going to get. They're going to get like properly spanked on the bottom and put into naughty jail that's what will happen to them or disappear or go away or uh have to go and swim with the fishes or get a flyover made out of them (laughs) so do you think we need a bit less democracy if we're going to save the planet all
0: oh there's a question yikes i mean i i am a fan of democracy Certainly well, in, in theory. You know, I, I, I like it. A fan of democracy,
1: certainly in theory. On paper, I yeah. love giving people control over what happens to their lives. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, I don't know. I've gone out there and said I'm radical. Um, but, you know, I also have this sort of clinging, cloying feeling that we need to do things a bit quicker than what democracy is going to allow Um, although, and we have talked about this before and I can't remember which episode it was in sorry, but uh You need leadership as well in democracy don't you it's not democracy isn't just a question of politicians sitting around doing endless surveys of what they think um mm-hmm. people are going to like the most it's about saying right, we have expertise, we have information at our disposal because we're the government, and we have seen that things like climate change are incredibly important to deal with, and we are going to make the argument such that you are voting public. believe us and think, yeah, we will back you. And that's where leadership comes in. And I think if if democracy is combined with real leadership um, and inspiration, then it is a great thing. I do worry about the argument that, well, China's better because they can just get on and do it. Um, Because, well, yeah, but they get on and, you know, don't do things like be nice to prisoners or anyone who has the wrong beliefs, um, allegedly, please don't come and kill me, China. Um, And, you know, they also just build enormous things that I don't think are that great. So a lot of their renewable energy is coming from dams, for instance, and Three Gorges dams that they've built um, are probably among the most destructive structures on the planet. Just, Just in one fell swoop, just destroying these extraordinary habitats, displacing hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, so it's, you know, it's you take the rough of the smooth with a nice bit of author- authoritarianism. Yeah, and that's one of the things
1: that has characterised China's growth over the last few years. They've basically spent something like, I saw this piece in Reuters the other day, four trillion US dollars a year they have spent on building stuff, right? And they've done things like build whole cities. They've gone, like, we're going to build a city there, and if people live there, they've gone tough, bugger off, right? And then they've gone and put a city on top of them, and they've built airports to connect these cities that don't yet that no one lives in yet to the rest of the world and they've built these great big bridges they built this bridge I saw this thing they built this bridge going out into the sea sticking out something like miles and miles and miles into the sea for a port that they haven't yet built and they built the bridge first right they do this massive (laughs) massive because they can because they basically because they they go we're going to build that it's like in a computer game like in Sim City or something when you get a bit drunk and you just like decide you're going to spend all of your money on great big vanity projects and football
0: stadiums that's a tragic a window into your life
1: is it right that china has used more of the world's concrete in the last 10 years than the whole of the world had ever used in history put together before something like that wow. right? i've never seen that stat but if that's anywhere close to the
0: truth that is yeah. mind-blowing
1: there was that um, wow. amazing documentary that your man tinsel tits evan davis off of the telly. <laughs> um, you know why he's called Tinsel I do know why no. he's called Tinsel tins. yeah. yeah. Um, that, that he did about China a couple of years ago, about all, all these just amazing, you know, the growth of China. And they've spent all of this money and concrete and steel building loads and loads and loads of stuff. And they've gone, oh, hang on, we can't keep doing that. This is bonkers. There's nothing left to build. Even we've, like, run out of stuff to build now. And they want to rebalance the economy away from building stuff, which has been responsible for their reported huge growth, although no one quite knows how big their growth is, and tip it towards consuming stuff, right? And this is why two things have happened. Thing number one, the growth has slowed down. So they're only expected, I think, uh, on Monday, the day this podcast comes out, there's going to be new figures coming out showing China's growth is lower than it's been something like six or seven years. Mm.
0: Um,
1: Still, you know, 4% a year or something like that, but, you know, less. But secondly, what's happening now is a concerted effort to make everyone in China consume a heck of a lot more.
0: yeah, And this is a problem, I think, isn't it? It is. And it sounds all a bit familiar. Um, I don't know if any of you listening remember 2008 and, you know, the Western financial bubble going pop. Um, but, you know, a lot of that was based on consumer debt. And and in fact, a lot of the kind of so-called recovery that uh, is being seen in, in this country and others is based also on consumer debt. And we are being told to spend and spend and spend. Now, China, not wanting to be outdone, has done consumer debt much better than we did. Uh, in seven years, in seven short years, they have managed to quadruple their consumer debt. Right. Wow. And a lot of the kind of scarily seismic stock market stuff that was happening a couple of weeks ago in China where everyone was like uh, China stock market's crashing what do we do about that That's all because, well not all because, but a part of it, allegedly, is because they've got a huge number of individual investors, so not institutions, not big scary companies who employ people to work this stuff out, but just people like you and me chucking their money about and panicking and not knowing what's going on and that is totally encouraged. So there is all this slight kind of house of cards about the whole thing and solutions which don't really make sense, like printing, in inverted commas, because they're not actually printing, money, in inverted commas, because it's not actually money, uh, or quantity... What is it then, quanti- <laughs> Well, it's a very good what question. They, what do they do? It's a series of algorithms. It's, it's bits of Microsoft Excel. Algor what? <laughs> you leave Algor out of this. Oh, well, God, this is getting meta.
1: My favourite stat of the research that I looked into was that in 1982, which was 33 years ago, your average Chinese person... Do you know how much meat they ate a year?
0: Uh, well, I do because I read your uh, research. Yeah, all, right,
1: all right, play <laughs> along for God's sake. <laughs> Come on, you say it. Okay, okay, your average Chinese person in 1982 ate one-tenth of a pig a year. Which bit? right? Uh, I they had to it. share it out, didn't they? They didn't all eat the same one-tenth of a pig. Unless, was, I mean, that would be phenomenally wasteful and stupid. <laughs> chucking it? out nine-tenths of a pig yeah. every meal. Um, oh, whereas God. now they eat a quarter of the world's meat, right? And that's happened in 33 years. Give that another 33 years. Uh, allow on the fact that 65% of China's land is already used for agriculture. And basically we've got a problem. But this is the thing, because like, China isn't in the same boat as America, is it? And it's all very well saying, oh, China, bad, building coal, all that sort of stuff. But it's taking people out of poverty, right? You know, it is developing. It's called a developing country still, right? And is it fair to say that China, you know, shouldn't be allowed to increase its emissions? I I don't really, I don't know what to think about that.
0: Oh, it's phenomenally complicated, isn't it? But you would definitely have to applaud any state that has managed to drag the sheer numbers of people out of abject po- poverty that it has managed to do. I, I don't know what the stats it's are, but it's something million, yeah. like, you know, 500. Yeah, exactly. It's an awful lot of people. Um, and yeah, you, who are we in the privileged and moneyed West to go, you shouldn't be doing this, you should be doing this instead? Um, the the only sort of caveat to that, I'd say, is that I, I don't think that development has no. to be built on pollution. Um, I don't think just because the West uh, developed uh, on the back of the Industrial Revolution and burning coal, and is now going okay, we've done that and we're going to go into renewables and stuff. I don't think that's the same path that anyone else has to follow. I think it. it why shouldn't it be possible to develop your country yeah. without polluting? Um, and I think you know that's that's where I have hope. I have. I think that. Innovation and clever technology and people realising that you can do this will mean that that, that actually the lives of millions of people will be improved without sticking carbon in the air. That's my big white hope. So what's been
1: happening uh, is that the USA and China have been together in an agree kind of way have been coming out you, you, you remember your man all-round action hero man hunk barack obama president of the free world for a little bit longer um came out with his plan which we talked about a few episodes ago to cap emissions from the power sector you remember that I remember that. Yes. and your man mr xi when he was over in america a couple of weeks ago announced that china would do a massive, great carbon trading system Um, which would cap and reduce emissions, and that would start from 2017. Um, And both of these things are happening because the USA and China have basically been pretty decent, as far as I can tell, and gone to each other and said, look, chum, if we don't sort out emissions and we don't make some plans, you know, they're really not, a great deal is going to happen. All of the hoo-ha about what should rich countries cut their emissions by, what should poor countries cut their emissions by, essentially comes down to whether the USA and China are roughly doing the same sort of stuff and are roughly both trusting each other and roughly getting on with it. And if those two can agree some things and get on with things, we've probably got a much better chance of the world in general trusting this whole process and getting on with it.
0: I think that's all right, uh, which is why I didn't for once interrupt you. But I will add this. You didn't um, what? Oh, you're funny. You are funny, yeah. Mr. Interrupty. Yeah. Knock, knock. Who, who's there? <laughs> the interrupting cow. The interrupting Boom! cow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, someone's had their vimto this morning, haven't they? <laughs> what I was saying... Right. Was that despite this good on the face of it level of collaboration between the big swinging dicks of global politics, uh, America and China. What clever climate people will tell you is that what they're proposing is still nowhere near enough that we're still on track to go way above anything like a safe trajectory for climate change so two degrees is the number that people tout around and so whilst China and America are being nice about it they need to be an awful lot nicer and they need to pledge much harder and steeper emission cuts okay Jim Inhofe is a senator in America who thinks climate change isn't real because there's still snow. We don't like Jim Inhofe, so we named a section of the show after him where we find people or institutions like him. And we have got some naughty, naughty, nasty monkeys in Inhofe Corner this week. Who is it, Dave? We've got ExxonMobil. That's who we've got.
1: Just the name is evil. Isn't it? I know. And they, they're not going to be exonerated this week. Oh, uh, that was exon- your know, joke, and I nicked it. Um, yeah. What's happened is Bill McKibben, who is a uh, very well-known climate activist and one of the people who sort of popular, popularised the divestment movement, go back to episode five for what we think about divestment, um, has written a thing in The Guardian summing up two bits of research that have been done uh, by journalists who have both been looking into what ExxonMobil knew About climate change, when they knew it, who they told about it, and what they did about it. And basically, they've come to what he says the same conclusion. These two teams of people working. ExxonMobil, as long ago as 1978, so as long as I've been alive, it's the scientists in ExxonMobil were telling the managers. Climate change is real, caused by man, will raise temperatures, and is a problem, right? As, as long ago as that. And over the 80s and over the 90s, they kept being told about it by their scientists. And they did bugger all about it. In fact,
0: they did the opposite a bugger all about it, didn't they all? Yeah, well, they basically made a decision that they didn't want this to be true. They would rather that uh, they were in a world where they could keep on digging stuff out of the ground and selling it for vast profits, regardless of the consequences. So they just buried it and more importantly much more importantly than burying this information and scurrying it away they started funding huge disinformation campaigns to try and make sure that the rest of the world didn't believe and certainly didn't understand the uh, the scale of climate change which was by then already happening and already well understood and this article that Bill McKibben penned um, has been described uh, well he, he called it the biggest lie ever told Well. And I think it said, you know, this is the worst thing that any corporation has ever done anywhere. And I I doubt he says that lightly, lightly because you know, there are some pretty nasty things that corporations have done, um, which have knackered a lot of people. But it is you do struggle to think of anything which will have bigger implications than the biggest company in the world? I'm not sure if it still is, but it certainly was for a, Apple for a long time. Oh, Actually, yeah. no, you know, it it, it two's and fro's, So yeah, I think they're certainly it's a... one of the biggest. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the sheer influence that this company has had over the lives and the consumption of billions of people um, means that that making decisions like this and being so wantonly misinforming and and evil and nasty, uh is just it's it's just hard to get your head round, isn't it?
1: And the significance of this has been brought home a bit to me this week by um a declaration that was signed by ten major oil companies. Did you see this mm. the other day? Yeah. So not Exxon, tellingly enough, even though Exxon have started trying to be Mr and Mrs, nice monkey in the zoo. um, Exxon didn't sign this thing, but Shell did and loads of other companies that basically said, yeah, there's a big mahoosive climate shindig going on in Paris at the end of this year. And we think it should do loads of really good stuff on climate change. And we commit to being part of the solution and not the problem. Right. Um, And some people have gone, "Okay, fair dues." Some people, and I put myself in this camp, have gone, hmm, what are you actually (laughs) going to do about it, though? Um, Because these people, you were talking about this very eloquently, if I may say so, just last episode, these people make money out of selling fossil fuels. Mm. The only thing you can really do about climate change, apart from coming up with some very cheap way of taking the emissions off of carbon and burying it in the ground, is not use fossil fuels. So their entire business model is at stake. And I I don't yet believe that when they say let's get serious about climate change, they mean we're going to have a massively different business model. Do you?
0: No, not for a moment. Prediction time! Oh, this is my favorite bit of the show oh, prediction time every yes. week we yes. wrap our crystal balls on the table we stare into them we try to use our powers of insight and knowledge and foresight yes, and
1: to being told stuff.
0: Yes. to to work out what's going to happen and we we make a prediction so far in the twenty six previous shows. Uh, I've got three predictions right, and Dave has got one of them right. Now, let's have a little listen to see what I, the uh, the sage of the show, said last week would happen this week. Much of a fun prediction. Uh, but that there will be another major solar firm announcing big job losses, announcing that it's closing or that it's sacking the majority of its staff. And the reason I'm predicting that is because this week... Yes, we wasn't that a lucky guess? Um, exactly. Yeah, that did happen, didn't it? Yeah, it happened not once, but twice. Two oh, solar companies have gone bust. About uh, which we
1: are not gleeful, it is worth being no, clear.
0: Uh, well, I'm a bit gleeful f- purely for the reasons of, of, of getting a 4-1 lead in the prediction okay. stakes, but otherwise I'm distinctly glum about it. Uh, as well I won't bang on about it because I banged on about it last week but it's just a bit depressing when we should be encouraging clean energy solar companies uh, that we're doing everything we can to pull the rug from under them so yeah 4-1 to me but um, not for the best of reasons fast you are
1: disappearing over the the horizon I Mm. better pull my finger out of my bottom and Mm. predict something that I actually think is going to happen right now Amber Rudd, who is at least in principle the Secretary of State for Energy and Climate Change, even though George Osborne is the one who yanks her chains, she's going to do a speech. Now, I'm not. Can I have a little bit of wiggle room on this? Because I'm not totally sure this speech is going to happen this week. It might happen next week. But I think um, I think it's going to happen this week, right? The uh, so prediction is about the content I'd, I'd tell of the you speech. Now, I
0: don't think it's going to happen this week. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, the prediction is about the content of the speech and not uh, exactly when it happens. So give me a bit of wiggle room on that. I'm a long way behind and I need to catch up. And what it's going to be about is about the environment and specifically energy and specifically about like, okay, we've been and gone and closed down the solar industry and ended zero carbon homes and put a carbon tax on renewables. LOL. Sorry about that. But here's what we're going to do instead. And I reckon that the here's what we're going to do instead is going to be completely and utterly empty of anything new at all all. So I think when she makes this speech, which may or may not happen this week, but it's going to happen very soon, there won't actually be anything in there that we hadn't previously either known was coming, or wasn't previously government policy.
0: How about that? So that is just about it for this week's Babble 27. Thank you very much, Dave. You were thorough in your preparation eloquent in your delivery and generous with your tolerance of my total lack of contribution and you were very pretty thanks (laughs) all um
1: you can get in touch with us, tell us what you think of the show. We're on Twitter, at The Babble Wagon. We are on Facebook, just search for Sustainer Babble, or you can drop us an email at hello at fish. And thank you, as always, to the wonderful Dickie Moore, whose little twinklings of music start, end and intersperse this podcast. Thank you, Dickie.
0: Thank you, Dickie. And thank you, Arabella, my six-year-old niece, who, even though you didn't take part this week is a mainstay of the show. Do go back and listen to former episodes, including, if I may say so, the previous episode, number 26, which a long-time listener of this show said to me was the best episode of Sustainable she had ever listened to by far. And I've forced her to listen to a lot of episodes of this podcast. So, you know, that, that is some... Recommendation. Uh, right, that's about it. We've been blathering on for far too long. Hope you're still listening. Thank you if you are. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.